We've got some big news to tell you about from our partners at Conservative Review. Coming this December, it's CRTV, a brand new commercial-free digital network featuring Mark Levin, Michelle Malkin, and Mark Stein. You get all of this content anywhere you go, your laptop, tablet, cell phone, or even on Roku or Apple TV. And you can have all of this programming for a year for only $89 if you sign up before December 1st at CRTV.com. But to get that special price, you've got to use my name at the checkout, Dace. That's D-E-A-C-E. So go to CRTV.com and sign up today. Levin, Malkin, Stein, all for $89 a year. If you go to CRTV.com today and use the promo code DACE. It's time to end Obamacare now. For the past eight years, we have been suffering under President Obama's ridiculous policies. The worst of which... Obamacare. And you know why it's bad. It raised premiums, it decreased patient choice, and it made people even more dependent on government. But when President-elect Trump takes office on January 20th, we can finally repeal Obamacare. But there are liberals in D.C. who are conspiring to save it. And the only way we can stop them is if we get grassroots activists like you to stand up to them and pledge to help President-elect Trump repeal Obamacare on day one. So stand with President-elect Trump and go to www.repealobamacarenow.com. Get involved. Help repeal Obamacare. If you don't act now, we won't be able to make a difference. If you want lower premiums, better health care, we need to repeal Obamacare on day one. And that's why you need to go to www.repealobamacarenow.com. It's time to take advantage of this historic opportunity and see how freedom works. You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings! Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. The end of year edition of the Steve Day Show is underway. Exclusively here on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. That's right, the show got bigger, hopefully better, this year. So, therefore, will the end of year edition, instead of being one show, it will now be two. This will be a two-parter. Uh, tonight is, of course, if it's a two-parter, and this is the first part, this would be part one. Coming up later on, we're going to close the show tonight with some very special guests that you won't want to miss. We'll do a year-end edition of Buy, Sell, or Hold, a year-end edition of Three Questions, a year-end edition of Mike Woody at the Movies. But we will begin with a special two-hour year-end edition of this. That's right, it is the year-end edition of The Dace Group with an homage to the late, great John McLaughlin who passed away earlier this year. But instead of a weekly look at the week that was, this is going to be a two-hour look at the year that was. We're going to look at some of the, the best and worst that 2016 had to offer. And ladies and gentlemen, we begin... Right at the top, the biggest winner of 2016, Kim. Well, it's going to be an obvious one, but the biggest winner, and I'm going to have to agree with Time Magazine, is Donald Trump. Um, Electoral College 306, no one saw that coming. And the fact that he took down, he tumbled the blue wall 
that was an amazing feat. Um, no one thought he could take Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. Neither did Jill Stein. Oh, wait, she did. She just saw there was gold in them, their hills. Exactly. Todd, biggest winner. The Republican Party, a party that deserved... What? Yes. All right. The, the deserved to die was on fumes, seemingly threw away one of the deepest and most talented fields in history. Uh, so tell me again why they won. This is, quite the, this is quite the setup you're giving me here. Why they won? Yes. Because they did Because you let off with they deserved to die, running on fumes, and they threw away their most talented and now, field of candidates ever. Yeah, and and now they and have the White House. They have both houses okay. of Congress. I gotcha. They may end up getting a, a, a the uh, Supreme Court, for, as you've talked about, for the next generation, and they don't even come close to deserving it. This is the political equivalent of rising from the dead. Then I think I probably know who your biggest loser might be when we get to that here in a few minutes. But biggest winner, cause, because to lose to the bunch you were setting us up with is a special kind of dumb. Aaron. Uh, biggest winner is Lord Nefarious from the CD underbelly of both Black Lives Matters on the left to Trump Colt on the right. We have him to thank. Also, he has a big movie deal coming up as well. That's my only snark for this uh, next two hours. That was well played, and it almost made up for that whole year of the cat fiasco from last week. <laughs> oh, I, I get up and I listen to that song on repeat every morning. So And you're fired. Okay. Biggest winner, everyday American people who just wanted their country back were sick of being talked down to. Sick of being taken advantage of. And their voices were heard on November the 8th. Now, what remains to be seen is whether you actually will get what you thought you were buying. And I have a lot of doubts about that. And if you've been watching the cabinet being assembled and you're paying attention, so should you. But that will be something we will discuss at the end of 2017. Right now, based on what we know, the biggest winners were you guys. You guys spanked the left the media, the elites, you doled out some corporal punishment on the biggest stage in the world. So that makes you guys, the everyday American people, my biggest winners. Biggest loser, Todd. Well, I think you guessed it, and that's Hillary. It, I, 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 that's the one on this I almost didn't do because I thought it would be the most unanimous among us. See, that's why I didn't but, go there because I thought everybody else would pick that okay. too. Yes. But I, 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 it was so obvious, and it gave me so much pleasure to write it down. <laughs> no, right. It, it, it's her. <laughs> uh, no one deserved, like with the Republicans, no one deserved this more. And, boy, did she get it in the most spectacular fashion. I mean, all of us coming in that night to do this show, to watch the returns live, just prepared for that feeling of having to choke down the bile. Right. And then we got a different version of bile, but still, it was it, <laughs> it was something else to behold. The stories that we are reading, come on, where they're celebrating on the on the campaign plane, right? They're popping champagne in the hotel on election night before the results come in because that's how confident they are they're going to win. Those, regardless of whatever you think of Trump, those those have to be especially delicious, aren't they? Those are delicious. I mean, those 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 tears are. Honey sweet, are they not? <laughs> to some extent, real, yes, and spectacular. Indeed, biggest loser, Aaron. Uh, you know, I, I, I knew that Hillary Clinton was going to be brought up, so I went a different direction. I thought of a few different people. Uh, one was Hillary Clinton. Um, another, I, I think that deserved to lose this year, or that uh, really was a big loser, was Hillary Clinton as well. And uh, at the end of the day, I just have to choose Hillary Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. Yes, and that. Our young Padawan is two for two. Well done, young man. That's very Kim, nice. Kim, biggest loser. Um, biggest loser, I had Hillary, too. I couldn't pass that up. I mean, I thought about Next Gen, where they were kind of trying to get all these climate change um, you know, proponents in the office, and they lost spectacularly. But Hillary is even worse than that. Um, I just remember the screaming video. Why am I not winning by 50 points? I mean... Oh, it's delicious. And the fact that she lost to someone so hated. <laughs> Biggest loser. You guys are, of course, right. But I anticipating that's what at least one other person would pick. And I didn't want us to have to go, you know, four for four. I wrote down truth. Now, I think truth is the biggest loser in 2016. I, I, the media is so discredited that we, we can't even get them to do the job we would like them to do anymore. Too many people now on both sides of the aisle are frankly low information. Uh, they and they're easy, they believe in easily debunked conspiracy theories. You see this on the right and the left constantly. But but even when you debunk and then even when you do debunk their pet conspiracies with facts and their hackneyed theories, they just choose to believe them anyway and just claim that whatever facts you present them are quote fake news. So I, I thought truth was the biggest casualty we had in 2016, or was the biggest loser in 2016. Other than the biggest loser herself, Hillary Clinton. Aaron, best politician? Ben Sass. And it would have been even better had, um, in just, just straight analysis, it would have been even better for him had Trump lost because he was uh, vehemently you know, never Trump the whole way through. And that would have set him up, uh, just to, politically, that would have set him up very nicely come 2018, 2020, really, um, had Trump lost. Todd? Now, remember, when we answer these, best doesn't mean, yay, I love him right. or anything like that. But to me, it's clearly Barack Obama. One of the worst pieces of signature legislation, Obamacare. Now, year after year of year, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And it's about to be repealed. Yet his, uh, his polling, his standing, is better than most politicians of note in the country. Certainly better than uh, George W. Bush's was eight years ago. And here, while John Kasich is vetoing quality pro-life legislation here at the 11th hour to the very end. He's he's going to submit it. So I, I don't know if it's technically an executive order, but something to make sure that states cannot defund which, Planned Parenthood. Which has no legal standing. It's just all. No, it's but, like, it's some, like a but they'll let that, he, yeah. he'll, he'll fight till the end. Sure. That's uh, What what do yeah. we do? So I mean, you, it's totally you, symbolic, but you're right. It is symbolic of what you're talking about. Sure. Right. Kim, best politician. I totally went the same route, given the fact that we have the worst economic recovery, stagnant wages, which led to, I believe, Donald Trump's victory, um, and then his favorability ratings, 55%, the highest it's been since his first year in office. He loses the White House. He loses the Senate and still adored. Aaron. Oh, you already answered I this already one, answered that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's my turn. That's right. You went with Ben Sass, the Nebraska right. senator. Mm-hmm. This one I thought, I, I almost didn't do this because I thought everybody else would pick this one too. But I don't know how you don't give it to the guy who navigated a 17-person primary field. Okay, 16 if you count, 16 and a half if you count Lindsey Graham. But, a, but technically a 17-person primary field and overcame an overwhelming organization disadvantage. Uh, and, and really a money disadvantage, even though we, I mean, he, he's richer than she is. But in terms of what was actually spent, what was actually put out there on the battlefield, um, and, and he did all that to win the presidency of the United States against all of those odds. I don't know how you don't give it to Donald Trump. Because he's an outsider, Steve. Yeah, that's, listen, 
Right. And the guy who tells you, quote, I'm an honest broker isn't. <laughs> All right. All right. Ladies, the guy who says to you that, uh, you know, uh, you know, I'm really uh, I'm an in, really an independent guy lives with his mom. You know what I'm trying to say? Whenever whoever's whoever's verbalizing to you. Anybody what, ha- who has to tell you they're an alpha male is not is not exactly whatever whatever is a laudable characteristic they feel the need to verbalize up front rather than just exhibit by their own actions or accomplishments is not he is the quintessential politician and and that's why I think he's the best one of 2016 more of the year end edition of the day's group a special two hour edition next. Listening to Steve Dace. Back again on part one of the year-end edition of the Steve Dace Show here on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review, and it begins with a special two-hour edition of the Dace Group, looking back on the year that was 2016. Most defining political moment, Kim. Well, you know, I guess the obvious one would be the election, right? So I'm going to go actually to the theater that is the FBI director, James Comey. Just the whole thing about um, the um, email server and... Was it Kabuki Theater? Was it Political Theater? Was it Theater Theater? Was it Masterpiece what Theater? Was what was that? It? Yes. And it continued nonstop. I mean, every time, you know, you'd look at the news, there was a something else about it. And then the whole, we've looked at it. We're not going to do something. Oh, wait a minute. We're going to look at it again. So I think that was the the long moment, defining moment. I go, I'm going with Trump's win in Indiana. And that should have been the telltale of perhaps election night in November. I thought for sure Cruz was going to win that state after the the RIFRA uh, debacle there. And uh, Ted Cruz had won a state like uh, Wisconsin not long before that. I I wasn't sure just because Ted Cruz won Indiana that he was going to win the whole thing. But I I was all but certain that, that that's a state he could and should win. And when it didn't happen... Uh, I think right, right then and there, America w- was saying we are absolutely fed up. Uh, we, we don't believe anybody other than uh, a absolute 400-pound Godzilla uh, named— We don't believe anybody other than the guy on his third wife and yes. fourth bankruptcy. The only person we believe. Yeah. Yes. I mean, throwing—look co- at everything. You're, that's, it's it's as when you yes, verbalize it, isn't yes, it? But you're right. That is what was being said. Because we're that post, is what was no, being said. Post truth. That, that's that's why I went with Indiana. But even a more specific moment, uh, I think on the day or the day before the Indiana primary, when, when Ted, Ted Cruz went and confronted Trump supporters, and it was exactly what was just discussed a, a few seconds ago. Hmm. It's the only guy that we trust is the guy on his fourth bankruptcy or fourth wife, whatever. Um, that was the defining moment for me. Those are good ones. Uh, and I, I really like the one that you have, Aaron, which is, and the other two you guys had too, but the one, because I hadn't thought about that, but when Cruz goes to confront that guy and he starts shouting Goldman Sachs and everything with him, and we're now at our third Goldman Sachs appointee in the Trump mm-hmm. cabinet. Most defining political moment for me, the Friday afternoon letter from FBI Director James Comey. It changed the entire trajectory of the race. And the reason being is, all throughout this campaign, it was a debate between corrupt and crazy. The American people were left with choices they would prefer not to have to make. And you could sense the entire campaign. They were looking for an excuse not to vote for a Clinton. They just needed Donald Trump not to be crazy for a while. 
We went into the debates. He had had his predictable, remember I told you guys in the summer, after a disastrous convention season, September would be the what? Month of the Trump comeback. And some of it would be real because Hillary just has too high of unlikabilities to win this thing in a total blowout fashion. As, as voters want to make sure before they swallow their own bile and vote for a Clinton again that the other guy is not a better option. Some of it was going to be media-driven because they didn't, just didn't want to spend the fourth quarter of the year covering a blowout. That's boring, right? And they got to build drama and suspense for the debates. So that happened. We get to the debates. They were all a disaster for Trump. The only good debate he had was the one that led off with him with the grab him by the genitals remark. And if, if, you're, if the debate leads off with that, it really doesn't matter what is said after that. You lost the debate. And that was his best debate performance was that one. All three of them were mixtures of disasters to self-parody. Um, they were awful. I mean, that gift that you saw at the end of the third debate when it ends and Trump just throws his notes up in the air, which is an actual picture, because he knows. He knows right then and there, this did not go the way that I had hoped, right? And that should have been the last moment. That should have been that we were done. There was no more theater left, no more acts left in the play until, what was it, 10 days before the election, James Comey puts out that Friday letter. And so crazy was the dominant theme in the voters' minds until that day. And when Comey put out that letter, it was like a bunch of Americans got slapped across the face and thought, oh, crap, I forgot how Hillary Clinton, this reminded me, this, this woman is a corruptocrat once more, okay? And look at the people she, look at the dirtbag sleazeballs she associates with. Trump may be a sleazeball. Hillary Clinton is a sleazeball and then associates with them accordingly, right? This was just a bridge too far for people. And then it altered the psychology of the race. And you saw the way the Democrats overreacted to it because they knew, even though Hillary's lead was solid, her personal numbers were soft. They were concerned she was a house of cards. And if someone came along and went, the whole thing would fall over. And the way they overreacted to it gave the right confidence for the first time in this whole race that maybe, maybe, even though most people still didn't think he could do it, that maybe it was winnable, that so much of this was psychological. Hillary Clinton's entire campaign was don't take Trump seriously on any level, run every ad about all his crazy statements. We don't, we don't want to put in the minds of the American people that he is a serious alternative to me because they want a serious alternative to me. And, and then when Trump, the one thing he did right after the Comey letter, because he gets credit for this too, him and his campaign. Because he, because listen, the referees can make a bad call that, that gives you the ball back. You still have to take it and score with it, right? All right. So, for the for those last eight days, he was not crazy. He was not crazy, and then they went out and they worked the electoral the the electoral map. They worked it. He worked it like a dog. How many rallies was he doing all night long last week? So he outworked her, and he wasn't nuts. And that was the reason why. The last thing people thought when they went into the polling booth on November 8th was not corrupt or was not crazy, but corrupt. So I think that's why the Comey letter was the most defining political moment of 2016. Anybody agree or disagree? I can't argue with that. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of why I went with Comey myself. Yes, you did. Yeah. I just needed to talk more. Uh, Biggest (laughs) (laughs) biggest traitor, Aaron. Ben Carson. Um, This guy seemed like such a straight arrow, such a friend of conservatives. Uh, when he first uh, started uh, making the rounds on the national stage. And uh, he turned tail very, very quickly. I think he's the biggest traitor. Todd? Evangelicals in the South, not necessarily because our guy Ted Cruz uh, didn't win, but quite frankly, the traitors to the God they claimed to serve. If they were so, at that point, that early in the game, 
so proud. When there were so many other options, yeah, so not just the other options so were Hillary proud Clinton. and willful in their support of Donald Trump. Um, it, it was pathetic. Kim, I'm going kind of down that same road. I'm going to pick um, Robert Jeffress. Um, I, you know, the idea that you would have get no argument from me. You know, a pastor that would be I call them crumb eaters. They're basically telling us this is the banquet, you know, and um, and they're providing political cover for people that are not evangelicals that are not um, principled he he is the he's the biggest traitor those are good choices i went with reince priebus for rigging the gop convention and of course we could probably just give this guy this award annually let's just be honest could name it after him um in fact if i were trump i'd watch my back when we get into the white house and he's my chief of staff of course you know trump could always respond with the you keep your friends close and your enemy's closer. That's why he's the chief of staff. If I leave him over at the RNC, uh, I can't see what knives he's pulling out of the drawer. But if I've got him here in the West Wing, I've got my eye on him. Plus, I've got him at the West Wing. Guess what I can do anytime I want? If Reince, Fire him. If Reince Priebus ever stabs Donald Trump in the back, we're going to find parts of Reince Priebus spread over to the four corners of America. So what you're saying is you want Reince Priebus to, sta- to stab <laughs> Donald Trump in the back? That's what so you're saying to me? let's watch this. Yes, that's what you want. I'm kind of surprised no one else mentioned Reince Priebus, but I have to confess, all your all your options to varying degrees were good, and 2016 provided a target-rich environment of quizlings. Narrowing, I've thought about this one amongst the longest because I, I there were so many unworthy yet worthy candidates at the same time. More of our year-end edition of the Day Group Roundtable next. Listening to Steve Dace. Continuing on a special two hour edition of the Dace Group Year End Roundtable on part one of the year end edition of the Steve Dace Show here on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. Most boring, Todd. This is my first non-political answer, I think, which you allowed us to do. I'm going with the NFL. Not because I think it's boring, because if I did, I wouldn't even be allowed to work on this show. Steve would fire me. But I think a lot, <laughs> uh, the, the ratings are down. And the ratings are down in part because of the political season. They're part because the, the games, like Colin Kaepernick, et cetera, have become, uh, the athletes have become too political. But I think this is also part of a general man problem we have in this country. I think men are just increasingly less interested in traditionally man things. And does that does the NFL not, I mean, if you think of the top man things in America, the NFL's got to be in the top five, we, things we're interested in, things we watch. I just think you're, I know there's plenty of millennials that still watch the NFL, but I, I just don't think uh, your average man on the street cares anymore. I think they're bored by football increasingly. I hope you're wrong about that. I think there's other issues, but I hope you're wrong about that. Kim? This one I'm, I feel a little guilty about, um, but I, I'm going to have to put Ben Carson in this. Um, you know, and I, I, I thought he did a nice job when I heard him speak at the inner city church down here in Des Moines at Maple Street Baptist. Um, but increasingly, every time he speaks, you just check out. He's, um, he's, he, He's just not credible anymore, and I, I just can't listen to it. 
That was also who I picked, and I know that's two picks in a row for Ben Carson, but yeah, he's just, I mean, just start playing a lullaby while he talks, um, drink some warm milk, Mm -hmm. and then um, just Mm -hmm. hit the sack, uh, Mm -hmm. curl up by the fire, listen to some Ben Carson. (laughs) Sounds like a good winter's afternoon to me. You want to talk boring. How about when we all agree? That's what I had. (laughs) No way. I mean, the snooze fest that was Ben Carson during those primary debates. And and the only the only liveliness he showed was, it's been forty five minutes since you guys have asked me a question. That's because you bore us. That's why. Most charismatic, Kim. I actually uh, okay. It's another one for Obama. I think you know, given all the reasons I'm I gave puke. before. That's great. I mean, <laughs> worse economic recovery. Um, and people just continue to love him. He can spew lies like no other, and they continue the adoration. Uh, again, remember, charismatic, it sounds like a positive word, not necessarily Trump cult. Easy. I mean, they their pom-poms were never put down. doesn't matter what Trump How said, How about that gal that showed did. up at his rally with the shirt painted on her? Hey, Trump, you can grab yes. me by my and point it down to her genitals. Absolutely. I mean, wow. Wow. Every single time Trump did something that would uh, just destroy another president that Trump called turned it up to 11 and said, no, no, he's our man. He can do it. Aaron. It is definitely a Donald Trump because, uh, as we've talked about before, for all of the uh, things um, about this election that are the same, the only thing that's different is the personality. And Donald Trump has a charismatic personality that drew people to him. So he definitely wins this in my book. This is one of my uh, non-sports ones. I'm sorry, non-political ones. I'm going with Jim Harbaugh because he's the only person that dominated and transcended the media as much as Donald Trump did this year. I mean, he literally, he just, the media is his dog whistle. He can get them to talk about him no matter what. He can get them to say just about anything that he wants. And, and, And he can turn everything they say about him into an advantage. And it's it's very Trumpian as it's you watch this right dynamic. Now. He's going yes. to the Rams. No, he's not. No, he's not. And then the whole jive turkey thing. All right. I mean, it's just he 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 is playing these guys. I mean, if you watch ESPN, poor Paul Feinbaum has. I mean, his, that five head five head of his has grown an extra vein, and since October for for this for this uppity guy from the Big Ten daring to come in and dominate the headlines of college football that belong to the Southeastern Conference by divine right. I mean, he's playing all of you guys. This is all a shtick. He, there's a there's a quirk aspect to his personality, and I would say there there is a there is a quirk aspect to probably most great and successful people's personality to some degree. But a lot of this is a shtick, and he's playing you guys. He's playing you guys because he took over a program that was in a toilet that couldn't give away that was literally giving away tickets for a if, if you bought a Coke Zero, and in two years he's t- t- took many of those exact same players and put them on the brink of making the playoff, and a lot of it was psychological. Just convinced a bunch of guys who were losers that they could actually win, and you and the media helped him do it. You and the media helped him do it because you you turned him in to Darth freaking Vader before he's actually won anything. He hasn't won a Big Ten title, hasn't beaten Ohio State. He's beaten Sparty. He's so he beat the worst Sparty team of 33 years. He beat them by nine points when they were a 20-point favorite. I say this, and I'm a Michigan fan. You guys are helping us. Thank you. You did what Donald Trump did to the uh, mainstream media. Yes. He's made Michigan great again. <laughs> Very well said. More of the year-end roundtable in a moment.
listening to Steve Dace. So what if I told you every phone call you make is helping to fund progressive causes and politicians like Planned Parenthood and Hillary Clinton? You'd probably stop making phone calls, right? Well, the fact is your current phone carrier is using your money to undermine your beliefs. And there are progressive radical liberal phone companies spending tens of millions of dollars to remove conservative leaders from office and fight for liberal social change. So what's a patriot like you to do? Well, you can start by calling my friends at Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile offers nationwide talk and text, high-speed 4G LTE data at competitive prices, and donates up to 5% of your monthly bill to a conservative organization of your choice. You get the same quality service, competitive prices, and you get to help causes you believe in. Call Patriot Mobile right now at 800-A-PATRIOT or go to PatriotMobile.com. Mention promo code Steve at checkout and receive $35 in free activation fees for up to two lines. Call 1-800-A-PATRIOT or go to PatriotMobile.com. Mention promo code Steve. Back here on the Dace Group Roundtable, here on the Steve Dace Show, powered by Conservative Review. It's our special year-end edition, two-hour edition, as we take a look back at the year that was 2016. Who got the bummest rap this year, Todd? This is of uh, recent vintage, uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines. You know, they just got Mm. up one morning and went to church, and uh, the Rainbow Jihad came after them, which is what we were talking about on the show even before Chip and Joanna Gaines. You know, other, whereas other businesses, first they had to deny the service, the baker, the florist. All they did was go to church. They didn't deny anybody anything, which means the, the Rainbow Jihad, as I've said before, they're coming right into the heart of their, your church. Expect active protests within services. Expect uh, more attacks like this, not fewer. Even though this wasn't even remotely successful, they're going to they're going to regroup and they're going to come at you because this is their bottom line. They hate God and his followers. Kim, I'm going to go with I you know, f- for most of your listeners, I was not a, a Ted Cruz supporter. I was um, you know, Rand Paul and I miss Ron Paul every day. Um, but I think that the the bummest rap is lying Ted. Just that whole continual onslaught against Ted Cruz and I think it was actually really effective unfortunately. Especially for those of us who wondered, at what point will Ted Cruz look at Trump in a debate and and say to him, if you call me a liar again, one of us is leaving here in the back of an ambulance? Because that's what any other dude in, in one of those situations would do. And I think if he had done that, I think it game changer. I think it would have been a game changer. Yeah. But he, wanted, he decided to hold a Harvard-Yale debate uh, with a thug, street fighter. And I say that to Trump in a complimentary fashion. And that's why... That's why he got punked. That's yep. why he got beat, because he didn't do that. Bummest rap, Lion Ted, Ted Cruz cheats Ben Carson. That narrative coming out of Iowa, that was uh, ridiculously stupid, uh, as was the way I-, I think it was handled. But still, uh, the bum rap there. I wonder if that had not happened, would things be different? Maybe not, but still, it sucked. All good choices. I went with the Electoral College, which worked exactly as it was intended to when it was created by our founding fathers. But they did not intend for someone who won less than 15% of America's counties to get elected president of the United States. That's why we have it, guys. Reminding us again why we live in a constitutional republic and not a pure democracy. Fairest rap. Todd. Journalism. Because it sucks. It got the very thing. It tried. I'm surprised Todd's answers weren't journalism related all the way through here tonight. When you... It's implied. <laughs> when you when you get the very outcome 
that you tried so hard to make sure didn't happen. It, there's just one thing you should be thinking about. How bad do we suck? Of course, they're not because they are uh, elitist pagans and th that level of uh, introspection is not within their capacity. But this is my most certain answer of the night. Journalism, you suck. Aaron. <laughs> Uh, that was also the media for me as well, because uh, from Donald Trump to basically um, every other um, candidate out there, they all had something to say about uh, the media. Uh, the media was firmly dispatched with uh, on November 8th. And so, yes, they got the fairest rap. I'm going with Chris Christie. It turns out he is every bit the corrupt, feckless, fake, tough guy, douche canoe we always thought he was. Fired the Denny Green. They, he are, they are who we thought they were, right? I mean, watching if, if there was any, if there's, if, the, if there's any joy other than what Trump did to the media out of his candidacy, it was the utter and public humiliation of Chris Christie. I want more. I want more. And when you see something <laughs> you like, you, you just got to have it and you want more of it. Yes, more. More, please. Give Christie a job just so he, you, he, you can humiliate him all over again. Yes. Best comeback, Aaron. Uh, oh, little can Marco. I jump in on that one? Oh, go ahead. Sure. Um, low energy Jeb. I thought that was a very fair rap. Oh, I, did, I, did I leave you out? I'm you did. sorry. Hey, my I got to put Jeb in there. Okay. You know, the whole please, please clap. clap. Yes. I love that. I want more of that. However, you know, given the Trump's cabinet picks, last laugh. I don't know. Let's see. You got high energy Jeb. You got you might have Jeb came just right, with yeah. a higher energy version of Jeb Bush. Maybe we'll he's see. the puppet Jeb master. Point. Yeah. Oh no! Uh, best comeback, little Marco. Uh, he was. I mean, he embarrassed himself during the uh, primary by losing his home state by a lot to Trump, and then he uh, embarrassed himself. What I thought even further by announcing that he was going to run again for Senate, which he said he wasn't going to do, and then he be, he won uh, his Senate seat. So I think that's probably the biggest comeback in the span of one year. Todd. Comebacks are an inspiring thing, and I, I found none in this political season. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'm going with the Chicago Cubs. Which means Todd's best comeback next year will be himself. The fact that I was yeah. able to still do this for another year, yes. Chicago Cubs. That's a good one, That's too. Good. Down 3-1 to one in the World yes. Series. And, yeah. that, and that, the more we accept, now we're doing the Hot Stove League and signings and things like that. That, um, but the more I reflect on what the Cubs accomplished under the pressure of not having won that World Series and pulling that thing off, it's them. Kim? I was going to do the Game of Thrones, you know, Jon Snow finally coming back. Um, but I, I'm with you. Spoiler and, alert. <laughs> no. Um, Rubio. I mean, someone who was Gang of Eight, loses in the primary. He does get, you know, um, Puerto Rico and Minnesota, which was... Yeah, Minnesota was kind what, of a what surprise. What an odd coupling right? of states. I mean, Puerto Rico is not a state. Well, at least it isn't Obama's 57th state in America, but you know what I'm trying to say. I do. And then, I mean, Puerto Rico and Minnesota, that just seems like an odd coupling. And then you have Florida senator again. I, that's who I picked, and let's see what he does. You guys are right. I went with Rubio. I mean, it started. he started the year looking like he was finished. He got soundly rejected in his home state primary, as Aaron pointed out. He had that embarrassing loss to Trump. He ended it by outperforming Trump in his home state by a couple hundred thousand votes. He it was it wasn't Trump dragging him down. He actually helped Trump win that state, and now he his star is shining almost as bright as it was before the Gang of Eight scamnesty fiasco. So I I agree. I think the best comeback is Marco Rubio, most original thinker. Kim, I'm going to go with Jeff 
I don't know how to say his last name. Bezos. Bezos. Yeah. Yeah. From Amazon. Unbelievable what that guy has done. Since Your 2020 he's been on Democratic there. presidential nominee. I mean, you, if you had in 1997, if you had invested a thousand dollars, you'd be well over three hundred fifty thousand. I mean, you got his programming. You have a you know the streaming. You have the Amazon Go. I think this guy is is really brilliant. Todd, I'm going with the Never Trump uh, in a land almost bereft of principles to go never trump as early as uh many of us did national review uh this show i've never stopped being uh proud of taking that stand. it wasn't just some sort of 11th hour uh pity party uh it did everything it could to be principled aaron uh charlie sykes for the same reasons that uh, uh todd pointed out about never trump i'm going with eric erickson from red state now the resurgent because he is essentially the guy that pioneered Never Trump, mm-hmm. but also the phrase, you will be made to care. Those are two things that have been become essentially their own memes within conservative media. You're listening to Steve Dace. got his finger on the button of truth put the finger down it's steve dace back here on the steve dace show powered by conservative review on the salem radio network you know we've had an ugly political year and that means the word refugee for so many now has a negative connotation and and we understand uh, what happens when you don't vet people properly. You import them into your culture. We're seeing what's happening in Europe as an example. But that doesn't mean there's still not uh, really a humanitarian crisis happening throughout the Middle East. And that's why this Christmas we are partnering with Heart for Lebanon. We, we want to take the gospel to those innocent children caught in the crosshairs of terrorism and being ravaged by war right there where they live. We want to take the gospel to them. We want to take it right to children like Manny. Like so many children, violence was all Manny and his brother have ever known. The war in Syria forced his family to flee Lebanon, but for Manny, the war that was going on inside his home was even worse. Denise, the director at Heart for Lebanon's Beirut Hope Center, explains. He was crying, he was bleeding, and he told me that he's been crying. It was wintertime, it was raining, his shoes had a hole and he didn't want his feet to get wet, so he kept on crying. And his dad was like, we can't, you know, you have to wear the shoes, go wear it. And he didn't want to wear it, and they want to wear it, and finally his dad lost it. But he couldn't control himself, so he kept on hitting him until he was bleeding and was sent to school. The abuse that Manny was receiving from the hand of his own father, coupled with all that this little boy had experienced in Syria, turned him into one of the most aggressive students we've ever seen at the Hope Center. When he threatened other students with a knife on the playground, Denise was faced with the difficult decision to remove him from our school. But Heart for Lebanon went into action, reaching out in God's love to Manny and his family. The change in their lives has been remarkable. The abuse at home has stopped, and Manny, once an aggressive, mean-spirited young boy, is learning the violin, his life transformed by the gospel. 
Not only he became not aggressive, not only he's becoming, he's volunteering in our children's program with his brother, giving so much love and care to children that are in our centers. Your gift of $98 will help Heart for Lebanon bring the gospel to 18 refugee kids just like Manny. Be a part of rescuing these children for Christ before someone else captures them for evil. Please give now and thank you for being as generous as you can. I've never thought I will be able to come to Lebanon and learn violin. I thank the Lord for that. Your one-time gift of $98 is going to reach 18 children like Manny with the gospel. Call now, 844-441-9966, 844-441-9966, or you can click on the banner on my website at stevedace.com. You're listening to Steve Dace. You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. Back here on the Steve Day Show, it's our special year-end edition, part one, which means part two is tomorrow night, as we take a look back at the year that was 2016 here on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. Still to come, some very special guests to close off part one of our year-end edition here in hour three, but we have to continue with the day's group. It's a special two-hour edition of the day's group, not the week that was, but the year that was. With an homage to the late, great John McLaughlin, who passed away earlier this year. Let's continue taking a look back at 2016. Who was the year's most stagnant thinker? Aaron. Going with Jerry Falwell. Uh, I don't know what it was about that guy. Um, Actually, I do know what it was about that guy. Every time he opened up his mouth... It seemed like it was the 1980s and the 1990s coming out, and I wasn't even born until 1993. Okay, this guy was uh, always uh, spewing out the uh, false choice uh, in the uh, binary choice uh, argument, which is not really an argument. It always seemed like he was, as I said, stuck in decades past. He is by far, in my mind, the most stagnant thinker. Kim. That was fun to listen to you talk about that. I really like well, that. Um, I went with Marissa Mayer. She um, is a CEO for Yahoo. And, you know, my most original thinker was, you know, Amazon. And now I'm going Yahoo is just tanked. Um, I don't know anyone who thinks that or even uses their digital content. Yahoo Sports, Yahoo whatever. No. Boring and stagnant. Todd. The Rainbow Jihad. This year of bathroom debates that it, they didn't, you know, in, in a manner of speaking, they are being consistent in their logic. Sooner or later, you have to go to this place. But that, they they don't turn, they don't step on the brakes. That point. yeah, this is a little crazy. This is probably going to lose people. I mean, th- th- it, this is just a swamp of nothingness. And they <laughs> just keep going for more. I like that. Swamp of nothingness. <laughs> uh, I went T-shirt. With- 
this is another non-political uh, answer. I went with the you have to win your own conference to make the college football playoff guy. That is that is, and I'm I'm old school. I get it. I believe in that that should matter, but it doesn't anymore. We live in a bygone era. It's like it doesn't matter in college basketball. Teams that don't win their own conference win the champion the NCAA tournament all the time. Yeah, I mean Michigan has been to uh, has been to three national championship games, or, you know, or, or I'm sorry, five national championship games in our basketball history. We played on Monday on Championship Monday in the NCAA tournament. Only one of those years did we win our own conference. So that, I, I, this is the one you're most wrong. We about don't have this. Era, that this era is gone, Todd. They won six games back. to get to the national championship. They didn't win some sexy pageant. I mean, this is progressivism invading football. How so? It has to be about merit. The games you won on That's the exactly field. That's exactly why that, that just era say is you gone. You look best in that outfit here, the over pro- there. Here, here's the problem with this: we have unbalanced schedules. Some leagues play eight you know, games. You know, there's some an answer to that that I've. We, said. We, we have some. Some we don't play whole teams all year long, or, or for n- numerous years on end. And so we don't really know the answer to that question. So you, that's why you do have to, based on merit, look at the record in its total because it's not the same when you don't play certain teams that other teams have to play, et cetera, et cetera. That's exactly even, why you do it. This and even way. though I think you're wrong, you do come by this honestly because you're basically advocating for your arch nemesis, Ohio State, yes. to be where they are. Yeah. So I, I think I, you're I, being I think, honest. I th- do, are they one of the four best teams in the country when you watch college football this year? Yeah. When you look at their resume, yeah. Did they, they earn getting into this? Well, that's where you have a committee and you have that, you have that debate. <laughs> to me, the team that, the team that, that has a questionable argument isn't Ohio State, it's Washington. Because what, what you told Penn State is that if, if they had played Idaho and Portland State instead of Temple, who won a conference this year for the first time ever in 10 games, and, and played them instead of, uh, and as well as Pitt, their big in-state rival, they played them on the road for the first time in 20 years. Don't play those games and play at Portland State and, and Idaho instead. Beat them 50 to nothing. And if you're a one-loss Big Ten champion, would Washington... We, all, we both know Washington wouldn't have gotten in over Ohio State. We all know that, right? right? We all know that, right? That brand is too powerful. Saw that two years ago. So if, if, if Penn State had played two, those two scrubs that Washington played in the non-conference instead and had a 12-1 well, record, would they be in right now or would Washington be in? Do we all know the answer yeah, to that? And this we is, know Penn State would be in. We know the answer to that. And this is not a new argument. I mean, my team, the, the Hawkeyes, last year, they came one yard away from making the college football playoff. Were they one of the best four teams in the nas- in, in the country last year? Oh, heck no. We saw that in the bowl game. So, it's it, again, that just underscores, I think, what you were saying, Steve. Best photo op, Kim. Oh, this one hurts. Um, picture Ted Cruz. Is oh, Donald Trump yeah, has, um, yeah, he's it's at brutal. the Texas GOP headquarters making the phone calls. It is, yep, Fort Worth, and he's at the GOP. He's doing the phone banking, you know, knowing full well that Donald Trump has said your wife and is ugly. And he has ugly. this look on his face like, yes, my wife is ugly and grab him by the genitals, ma'am. Yes, are you and, voting for Trump? Yes, 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 and yes, my father did kill JFK. So that one, I think, was the most Yeah, it was, I had brutal. to, I, I never, I had to avoid it. I had to just ignore it because on one hand, I wanted to go after and destroy all the people that were jumping on board. On the other hand, I wanted to pile on myself, and so I hated both of my reactions to it, so I had yeah. to just ignore it. Todd? Trump eating a taco bowl with a magazine <laughs> on the desk next to him with his ex-wife on the cover. For Cinco de Mayo? It was To reach uh, out to the Mexican vote? Joy. Yes. That, just, that, that happened on Cinco de Mayo, yes. That's good. Uh, mine is uh, Raul Castro on uh, President Obama's visit to Cuba. Raul Castro holds up President Obama's limp wrist. <laughs> you remember that, right? Yes. There's a, there's a ton of these. So I went with something that, w- that just happened recently. The black and white photo of Trump at dinner with Romney. Have you guys seen the black and white one? 
where he's got this crab-eaten grin on his face as he looks right. Trump looks right into the camera, and Romney is painfully trying to look like he's having a good time when we all know that he's not. I mean, if you were to caption that photo, it would. It's. It's. This is. This is the caption. Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and taste. I mean, that had sympathy for the devil written all over it. The guy who, and anything involving Chris Christie getting just humiliated deserved to win too. The guy who superimposed that picture in, in that room in uh, Cloud City with Vader and Calrissian, yes, that yes. was yeah, awesome. That's good too. Yes. Enough already. What are you sick of, Todd? Well, I say this as a Catholic. Pope Francis. It's getting really grating. He is sowing seeds of confusion. He's not even a good progressive because he's where, where is he really on a day to day basis? You don't know. Yeah. That uh, is the confusion. The, the the flock is is increasingly being pulled apart because both sides are uncertain of what direction things are going. So th- this it's just thin gruel. It's ne- it's neither hot nor cold. It's just flaccid nonsense. Hmm. Kim? I'm going to have to say Colin Kaepernick. I am just beyond tired of listening to any discussion about that person, and I- I- I'm done with it. Just play the game. That's a good call and an easy call. Aaron? Yep. Uh, I was going kind of the same way. Sports media um, uh, of anything other than the actual games, and then sometimes during the games as well. They're just annoying as I'll get out. They're so, they, it's a social justice warriorizing of anything. Sports is just getting really great. When you follow these guys on Twitter, particularly in the offseason, I'm telling you, man, it's, it's, it's all the liberal bias that you get from the liberal media, twice the dumb. Because they don't really know at all what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They haven't thought these things through, and they just they, they want just, to feel important. They want to feel important. They want to jump on the, the, the you know on the bandwagon. And and since they and at least in the liberal media, they at least have to like during elections and stuff talk to people like us. They they are completely insulated and sequestered from anybody outside of their wannabe bubble. It is it is it is beyond grating. Um, I'm going with low-information Americans on both sides of the aisle. We, we cannot self-govern this way, guys. We, we simply cannot. If you're going to be this stupid, we can't govern ourselves, okay? Uh, we, we can solve a lot of things. We can't solve stupid. Nothing can fix stupid. You're going to have to get smarter. You, gotta be, you just have to be better than this. I mean, you're just, you're not, you, we can't sustain this level of freedom and liberty if you're going to continue to be this dumb. We have to end the welfare state, side, right? And it's on, yeah, it's on both sides of the aisle. Just low information. It's people on the left who have almost no knowledge whatsoever of what the country was founded on and what, what the Constitution's purpose is and what the role of government is. And it's people on the right who just who uh, just just have no have no willingness to actually find objective truth other than easily debunked and hackneyed conspiracy theories and the likes. Along the which you were just talking about with Cruz a little bit ago, and, and that's that's got to stop. And and I don't care who you vote for. I mean, I do care who you vote for, obviously. But in this debate, that's not relevant. Use the brain God gave you. All right. You know, I've, I've got a I've got a highly developed fake news meter. It's called my freaking brain. All right. Use yours, moron, please. And don't be the 98th person to send me the email from some fake site called Before It's News about how Obama's not going to leave in January and will declare martial law on Christmas. All right? Stop it!
Stop it! You're a moron! Be more off! Stop it. You're listening to Steve Dace. The Dace Group continues a special year-end edition looking back at 2016 here in part one of our year-end show here on the Steve Dace Show on the Salem Radio Network. Worst lie of the year, Aaron. Well, we're really down to a binary choice here. And while I understand that um, I'm thankful that this turned out the way that it did, binary choices are how, for those of you who actually did reluctantly vote for Trump, binary choices are how we got in this uh, mess. So that's the biggest lie. Todd. I'm with you. I put down lesser of two evils, and it's still coming at me at church. I'm having conversations regularly about how how we just we just had to do it. No, you you, you didn't. You know how I end those conversations? I've 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 been where you're at. Here's how I've ended them. Tell me what you would say no to. What would it be? Tell me what evil the Republican could do. What would it be? Name it. That'll shut that conversation down real quick. You mean there's there's nothing they could do? Nothing. Nothing in all of the world See, I, I that did, they could do. Nothing. I did that once, um, and, and the person I was talking to literally said, nothing, never. And that's when you know. You kick the dust off your sandals. Move on. Move on. Kim? I went to a specific lie. Um, there's so many lies, so little time. Um, Obama saying there's been no scandals in his, that was his a, tenure. That took a level of chutzpah when he, did when he entered not? that one. Yes. I mean... Can you not list off a few? Um, Benghazi, Obamacare, Fast and Furious. I mean, yeah, that was a big one. I went with the Ted Cruz stole the Iowa caucuses from Ben Carson story. Oh, yeah. That was heinous. It was despicable. And I, I was shocked Ben Carson had so little character but to entertain it for as long as he did. Destined for political stardom, Kim. Ben Sass from Nebraska. Um, you know, the never Trump did not hurt him. He was one of those people that it did not hurt. Um, it depends, of course, on how far he goes now and continues to be um, principled, but I think he's got a future there. Todd? Uh, I said anyone working at Goldman Sachs. <laughs> <laughs> how do you like that, cucks? <laughs> <laughs> that's, and that is tonight's Dispatch that's from the, Kuckistan. Yeah, Thank that's you. That's the winner right there. That's Amen. a good one. Should have thought of that one myself. Aaron. I really don't like this, but Keith Ellison, um, he's probably going to be tapped to be the DNC uh, chairman. And uh, with all those ties to the uh, Nation of Islam and all of his various um, uh, things he said in the past uh, that are anti-Semitic and just general leftist, Islamist uh, fusion that he's got going on, uh, that is that is not good news. I, I couldn't – I was trying to think of a breakout moment. I, I think Sass would be the unanimous choice here if Trump had lost. He'd have two things going for him. He got it. He, he, looked, he looked principled to a certain segment of the vote, and then he was the new hotness at the same time, right? Those, that's, but, but Trump did win, and, and so he's, he's, like, he's like Cruz. He's 8 to 15 years from the presidency, and a lot can change for a lot of people in that time period. So the one breakout moment that I could think of that somebody had was Donald Trump Jr.'s speech at the GOP convention. When he actually verbalized some conservative themes, which his father never did in his um, his convention speech. Destined for political oblivion, Aaron. I say in the end, it's going to be every other candidate um, up on stage in those first uh, few GOP debates other than Trump. Because at this point, 
Uh, most of them were senators and governors, uh, and at this point, I don't see how they can go anywhere other than down. You mean they're for? You think they're going to be branded forever as the guys who couldn't beat Trump? Yeah. So if Trump sucks, they'll be the guys who couldn't beat the guy that sucked. Yeah. And if Trump is good, they're going to then then you're going to want somebody that he ha- that is in his similar vein. Is that kind of so they're, they're that's trapped. that's kind of what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes. Oh, but they have nowhere. I mean, they don't have really any upward mobility at this point. Todd, the Libertarian Party. Uh, oh, this yeah. should have been. What's that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's Gary Johnston. Enough said. What a joke. Uh, this should have been their uh, moment. Had Ron Paul come along for? I mean, he came. He clearly came along four years too early. Uh, th- this would have been the opportunity. And not only did they not cap. I mean, his son couldn't capitalize it. The party as a whole couldn't capitalize it. As you've said before, uh, th- that party clearly ha- it has an identity crisis. It cares too much about uh, weed and not enough about uh, things that most Americans actually care about. So it's. It, I think it's done. Kim. Okay, this one hurts too. Um, truth, destined for political oblivion. Truth, we're done. It's over. Happy New Year, everybody! <laughs> well, I hope it's not for oblivion because I'm, 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 I don't plan on making a living lying to people. You know, so this this is going to be a real short trip uh, if Kim <laughs> is right about that. I'm going with the Huffington Post's attempt to out Nate Silver. Nate Silver. With its 98% odds, Hillary was going to win the presidency. Silver is the one uh, sabermetric guy that's going to survive this because he kept putting out cautions about his data and the entire time pointing out that there could be a a moment that the one thing the data doesn't tell us is this could happen. And, And what he described is how Trump actually pulled it off on Election Day. The rest of these, from the Huffington Post to the New York Times upshot, the rest of these data analysts that had this thing at 90% or higher with HuffPo at 98%, they're done. They're all done. Best political theater, Kim? I think it's got to be the election deniers. I mean, the ones that were just tripping all over themselves that's saying, you know, Trump's not going to, Trump's going to lead some kind of revolution and he's not going to um, allow Hillary to be elected. And then now you have all of them coming out, Jill Stein, um, Hillary Clinton, the media. That's delicious. Todd. Yeah, this this latest video plea by uh, Governor uh, President Bartlett and company to for the Electoral College tonight, Trump is is gold. But I'm going to go President Bartlett. Nice. I, I'm well going to go into the past a little bit. Uh, John, the John Lewis led sit-in in the House over gun control, where they were having were lunch. They ordered in lunch. Yes, oh, sitting. Yeah. <laughs> they ordered in a kid's lunch, great. sitting Indian style on the carpet like a bunch of kindergartners playing Duck, Duck, Goose. It was fantastic. Yeah, they're in there singing No Justice, No Peace, and We Shall Overcome, you know, while they're, while they're bringing in the chicken Caesars with the handcrafted <laughs> yeah. croutons. Yes. Right. Aaron? Uh, www.twitter.com slash real Donald Trump. That's good. You put some thought into this, young man. Well done. That's good. I'm going with the best political theater was the entire Democrat primary between Hillary and her tomato can, uh, her, her pretend opponent, Bernie Sanders, and how the left used this as a ruse slash distraction, this fake contest that he was never going to win, uh, to, to distract us from Hillary's weaknesses and scandals. And it darn near worked. It darn near worked. She came out of that primary in very strong position. She had, uh, they did, a, for what they wanted to accomplish, they had a magnificent convention. The, and and it, she was stronger coming out of the primaries than she was going in. Uh, and so it nearly worked until eight days before the election, or ten days before the election, and James Comey wrote that letter reminding us all, hey, remember, we're still talking about Hillary Clinton here. 
worst political theater? Aaron, quickly. Uh, the Democratic primary debates, uh, we covered a couple of them, and it was like boring, progressive, um, passive-aggressive fighting. It was terrible. Cruz versus Rubio, hammering on each other to try to get one-on-one yeah, yeah. -on -one versus Trump, yeah. and they just, they, you know they were killing each other, right? Yeah, well, let's keep doing it then. Had they to, had they come together, one, vice, one president, one vice president said, let's do this together, who knows what would happen, but they couldn't do it. It's a good one. Kim? I'd have to say any statement from Josh Ernest, you know, the press secretary. <laughs> that is just simply what painful. What a for a professional liar, by the way. <laughs> I hope that's like a stage name. He thought it up. That'd be great. You know, and he blamed China for the... Um, China. China. I'm Josh and yeah. And then I'm he went, really oh, wait, no, I meant it. Russia. <laughs> Worst political theater, guys. Now, come on. I can't believe nobody picked this. It's Jill Stein's recount, guys. All right. I mean, absolutely just dreck, but it did make her a lot richer. More in a moment. You're listening to Steve Dace. Back here on the Dace Group, your weekly look at the week that was, except now it is a look back on the year that was, a special two-hour edition for part one of your year-end edition of the Steve Dace Show here on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. Most underreported story of the year, Todd. That's easy. Obamacare's failure. It should be all over the place, and it's not. It is one of the most broken a signature pieces legislation in American history. Yet it, it clearly played some factor in the results on November the 8th, don't you think? Clearly? Oh, well, I definitely. Th I think, but we're, it's underreported. underreported. Yeah. It, it, I think that gives you an idea of how, how awful this legislation is. That despite how underreported its impact is, its impact is still so prevalent that it impacted uh, the electorate nonetheless. Because in October, if you remember, they were sending out all those premium increases. Yes. So, yep. yeah. Kim. Um, I'm going to say on the latest stock market rally, um, two-thirds of it has to do with five companies. The first one, Goldman Sachs, United Health Group, J.P. Morgan, um, Boeing, Caterpillar. So, I mean, I think that needs to be fleshed out just a little bit more. Aaron. The Middle Eastern uh, genocide, well, and just the, the all of the uh, killing that's going on in the Middle East right now. Uh, Christians and uh, innocent people alike, uh, I, I'm saying that as if there's a, there's a distinction there. There's just been so much crap that's been going on in the Middle East, and we've all been caught up with uh, different shiny objects here on this side of the ocean. I went with Oregon Labor Commissioner Brad Avakian losing his bid to be Oregon's Secretary of State. Now, he was the feckless hack who used his power to impose tolerance on Aaron and Melissa Klein a couple of years ago. He fined them 135 gur for refusing to bake a fake wedding cake. He also fined a bar almost a half million for failing to allow male transvestite creepy crossdressers into the women's restroom. And his tolerance was rewarded by the voters of, of all places, the People's Republic of Oregon when he was defeated on election day. And of course, had he won, had he won, he would have been celebrated in the media as uh, the future of the Democratic Party. But now it's rectum, barely knew him. Most overreported story of the year, Aaron. Anthem protests. Uh, that was, uh, that yes. was contrived from the very beginning. 
and uh, gave too much of a stage to too many people who cared very little about what they were actually saying. Todd? Fake racism. I mean, there's enough wickedness in the world, and there is legitimate racism, but the stuff that is being uh, made up makes it impossible to fight the real stuff because people just don't stop caring. Kim? Oh, the gorilla killed in Cincinnati Zoo. Harambee? Ah, who is stop, it? Who became his year long meme? Hashtag yes. justice for Harambee. <laughs> oh my goodness. I got to go with the election is over stories because I even wrote one or two of those. So I got to, I got to pit myself, guys. I mean, the most overreported story of the year were those of us writing the election is over stories, okay? Biggest government waste, Todd? The IRS. After what it did, it's still pretty much the same organization it always was. I mean, that thing should have been stripped down for parts by now. Kim? Oh, the $6 billion spent on keeping Congress going. I mean, good day. I mean, if they're just going to continue um, the policy. is the legislative branch. <laughs> just, that's way too much money spent on those guys. Aaron? Uh, biggest government waste, yes. Basically nice. everything except yeah. for the military. When we used to do this on our local show, I gave the same answer every year. The welfare state is my annual answer. The welfare state. Best government money spent, Todd. This is going to be a little controversial because it wasn't nearly as effective as we had hoped, but I'm going to say the Benghazi committee. Uh, this speaks to Hillary Clinton's character again. I mean, She was so egregious in her flat-out lies about the death of covering up the death of Americans. Uh, that committee was important. It's been a punchline, unfortunately. It didn't do what, uh, many things we hoped to do, but it had to be done. And it, it speaks, you, we, we are frustrated about the emails and national intelligence, but lives were, were, were not going to be just shoved under the carpet because of her. Kim, quickly. Private server investigation by the FBI. Nice. Every red sense that went to each of our armed forces members. I'm with Aaron. I have that along with our first responders, police, etc. Boldest political tactic, Kim. Oh, that's Trump trolling the media all the way into the White House. Todd, the, the full Trump. That was my answer. Cruz teaming up with Kasich before Indiana. Should, uh, the, yeah. I think you meant worst political tactic, which yeah. I think we're going to get to later. Uh, boldest political tactic, I went with the Trump team investing heavily in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania down the stretch when practically no polling had them winning, let alone barely at 40% in those states. Worst political scandal, Aaron. The FBI investigation, that to me is a scandal. I mean, this is malfeasance, I think, at its best, that the case was closed. Oh, it's back open again 10 days before the election. Todd? Uh, the Trump grabbed the women by the blankety-blankety, and he still won anyways. Kim. It should have been the death of him. It's going to be uncovered more. I think it's the Podesta-Clinton um, sex trafficking. I think it's Hillary's emails because of the number one reason she's not going to be the first woman president of these United States. We'll come back. And we'll wrap up our look back at the year that was here on The Dace Group next. You're listening to Steve Dace. Back again here on our two-hour edition, look back at the year that was on The Dace Group, on our year-end edition of the Steve Dace Show here on the Salem Radio Network. All right, rapid fire. In the final segment here. Best idea, Todd. Star Wars is expanding its universe, starting with Rogue One. Kim. Amazon Go, the Seattle store where you don't need to have clerks. Aaron. Free of the delegates. Glenn Beck deciding to have me on his show to profile a nefarious plot, because that's how the movie studio found out, or the movie group, uh, filmmaking group found out about the, uh, the book. Worst idea, Aaron. The media doubling down after they got their butts handed to them in this election. Todd. Rubio staying in through Florida. 
Kim. Making women sign up for the draft. Those are all really good. I went with making Reince Priebus the chief of staff for Donald Trump. Sorry to see you go in 2016. Kim. Muhammad Ali. I mean, that was something that as a family, we always watch all the boxing and stuff. Aaron. Uh, Alan Rickman. He had uh, he, he did a great job at playing one of the more compelling characters Professor in the Snape. Harry Potter yep. universe. Yep. And his last role is one of the best movies of the year, Eye in the Sky. Todd. Ted Cruz, not just from running for the president, but perhaps real political re- relevancy. It might be over for him. If you grew up in Michigan, as I did, i got to go with Mr. Hockey. Gordie Howe passing away earlier this year. Your 15 minutes of fame are up for who, Todd? Scott Walker. He was the guy early on. Remember that? Before Trump, before anybody, it was going to be him. Uh, Not so much. Kim? Kellyanne Conway. I mean, I can't imagine someone can be principled when they're that fast and loose with the truth. Ouch. Ouch. Aaron? Uh, Ken Bone. Hold on. Kellyanne, if you're listening, that was Kim I Kim. did it. All I right. said it. All right, wait, Aaron. Uh, Ken Bone, that uh, dude with the sweater from the debates. <laughs> I forgot about him. That's good. Oh. Now that he's president, can we get some real talent? Okay. The incestuous harem of Trump surrogates we saw the first nine months of this year. Enough. All right. Enough. Enough. Best spin, Kim. At every possible position that Donald Trump will take, you hear he just tells it like it is. Uh. <laughs> Nice. Well oh. said, Aaron. Uh, it was uh, Michael Cohen, one of Trump's lawyers, oh, who insisted yes. uh, to CNN anchor that, um, so what, when uh, when he was told that the uh, polls were showing Trump behind? So what? So what? That that back. That's one of my favorite video clips of this year is that interview on CNN. Todd? I see Kim and Razor. Anyone who said Trump was God's instrument. Thank you. Yes. I went with Sean Hannity, who for years was the voice of the GOP establishment and his buddies like John McCain, now turning himself into an anti-globalist populist in order to become the Pied Piper of Trumpism. Well played, sir. From one capitalist to another, well played. Most honest, Todd. Uh, Jeb Bush saying, please clap. Just begging for it. (laughs) Please clap. (laughs) Kim. I don't have any... I, I, this one was the stump. I no. She couldn't think of anybody that was of honest. Anyone that was That's honest so in Kim. this. That's Meta Kim. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> we just went, we heard the full Kim Pearson just a moment ago. Aaron with a national platform, uh, Jake Tapper. He was the one who had the voice of sanity um, a couple of times, especially during the primaries with stories involving Ted Cruz's wife and Ted Cruz's dad. He actually had some sort of sane voice. Uh, and I'm with Aaron. I had the exact same answer Aaron did. Most overrated. Aaron. The New England Patriots Super Bowl champions. Mm. Todd. John Kasich. The fact that he got as far as, his di- as he did is just a pathetic pox on all our houses. Kim. Sean Hannity. That's an easy one. I-, I went with Hillary Clinton's organizational advantage. It was there in theory, like the overwhelming early voting number she piled up in Florida, but it never manifested itself on Election Day. Most underrated, Todd. God. All right. Kim. Gosh, I have to follow that? Yeah. Okay, um... In the box office, it only got $31 million, but uh, Come Hell or High Water is excellent movie. It is an excellent movie. Aaron? Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, Super Bowl chances. I'm going to say the role, the nice homer. Uh, I'm going to say the role of the backlash against Colin Kaepernick and that other silliness with the protests. I'm going to say that the role that it played in helping create a pro-Trump vote, I think, is underrated. Because who are a lot of the people that watch those sporting events? And... That would be the audience he was trying to target. Your New Year's resolution, Aaron. 2015 was a really good year for me as far as getting in shape and getting fit. 2016, not so much. So New Year's resolution, I'm going to bench 200 pounds by this time next year. 
Nice. Wow. All right. Going with the uh, cliche. Aaron. I'm sorry. Todd. To suffer well. This back to back Jesus jukes by Erzin well played. The, the politics are going to be brutal, and it's important that we are uh, sober minded and give people a light in the darkness. Kim, <clears throat> to work on speaking truth in love. I'm going to try and listen to the people more. I thought I was already doing that, but this election, you're proved I wasn't, or I was relying more on data than listening. So that's my resolution. The capitalist of the year, Kim. Ivanka Trump. And you, too, can have her dress for $138 at Macy's. <laughs> nice. The production company. The snark is dialed up here in the lightning round. Wait a minute. That say. speak oh. truth and love thing. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Next nice year. follow up. Next year. Nice the, follow up. The, produ- the production company in charge of making nefarious plot into a movie. Cha-ching, baby. <laughs> way to play to the home crowd. Aaron? Uh, Steve Bannon. The way he uh, ran Breitbart uh, and turned it into Trump's uh, personal Pravda, as Ben Shapiro says. And then he hitched his uh, caboose to the Trump t- train, and uh, now look where he is. I'm going with the Ricketts family. The Chicago Cubs, they own that team. They broke the ultimate American sports curse. Todd Ricketts is selected as Deputy Commerce Secretary in the Trump administration. That's a pretty good year. Person of the year, Aaron. Nigel Farage, he illustrated what you can accomplish when you focus on winning a generational battle. Todd. I'm uh, a little in the neighborhood of what you said before about a low-information voter in a different category. I've called it the cuck in the mirror. Nice. <laughs> All right, Kim. <laughs> it's easy. It's the same as I did with the winner of the year. It's Donald Trump. No matter how you think of him, how he affects um, the political landscape going forward is amazing kim is correct i don't know how it could be anybody other than donald trump and now we've come to the end your one big prediction for the new year ladies first kim bannon and Priebus cannot peacefully coexist for long one of them will go out in the first year and i am guessing it's Priebus. that that pick is that's betcha house money in the bank that that's coming true todd in year one of his presidency trump will go on a tour of Russia led personally by Vladimir Putin. You can print, on a bear. You print, you yeah. can print that one. I mean, that, 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 that is another betcha house. Aaron. Um, I, I think well, they this, hold hands is the, real, is the real debate. Yeah, this trillion-dollar uh, porculus package is actually going to go through, at least be proposed in 2017. My big prediction of the year, there will be no Brexit. Look for the powers that be in the EU to make sweeping concessions to the U.K., both as a response to the populist wave sweeping the West, as well as to avoid the crushing precedent that this will set. The parliament in the UK will go along with it and and sell it uh, that, hey, this populist moment is like the fake libertarian moment of a few years ago. It's not real. You guys really don't mean it. And then it'll be up to the voters to call their bluff. That's my big prediction for 2017. Hour three of part one of our year-end edition still to come. Stay tuned. You're listening to Steve Dace. Everybody needs a hobby. So what's yours? Resurrection. He's bringing back the American way. It's Steve Dace. What child is this who lay to rest on Mary's lap Just as God gave us the greatest gift in Jesus that first Christmas, we have an opportunity to give our greatest Christmas gift this year when we can bring the gospel to a refugee child. 
Again, these are children. They are innocents. They are caught in the crosshairs of a humanitarian crisis, of, of, of war, of terrorism. And, and we can reach them right where they're at through our partners at Heart for Lebanon. We can reach children like Maley. Bombs explode. Fathers and brothers are lost to war or kidnapped. Mothers flee with their children to the nearest safe country. For many, that country is Lebanon. 52% of refugees in Lebanon are under the age of 18. This is an overwhelming number. Too many innocent eyes have witnessed horrible things done to their families and friends. The majority of these children have been in Lebanon for several years. They cannot attend local schools. However, they are eager to go back to the classroom and learn. Heart for Lebanon's Children at Risk Initiative is designed to meet their educational, emotional, and spiritual needs. This initiative has three hope centers that provide the much-needed education and love that these children are missing. The hope centers teach basic English, Arabic, and math, but more importantly, teach the love of Jesus Christ. For the first time, they are learning biblical character traits that help them live in community with others. Taking a child from a refugee camp to a classroom in a hope center provides a safe and loving environment where children can learn. After several months of being loved on and cared for, children respond by returning the love and looking forward to each day at the Hope Center. Many children have asked Jesus Christ to be their Savior and have become the light in the midst of darkness to the rest of their family, introducing them to Jesus Christ. For just $98, your one-time gift can reach 18 children just like Maley with the gospel. That's the best $98 you're ever going to spend. Call Heart for Lebanon right now, 844-441-9966. That's 844-441-9966. Or you can go to my website at stevedace.com. Click on the Heart for Lebanon banner right there on my website, D E A C E at stevedace.com. One more time, that number is 844-441-9966. You're listening to Steve Dace. You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Government should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker, that is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And we're back with our number three on the year-end show, part one. For the first time, our year-end show is a two-party. Just too much to cover. Plus, we figured the show's gotten bigger, so so should the end-of-the-year program. 
So this is part one of the end of the year show. Don't forget, we have very special guests to close out part one later on in this hour. Also, Mike Woody's going to take us to the movies. We'll do a year-end edition of Buy, Sell, or Hold. But first, a year-end edition of Three Questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. It is three questions where each night our producer Aaron, sometimes with your help out there, if you submit questions that he deems worthy of being asked he gets to ask us any three things about any three things nothing is off limits or too personal he just has to answer the same questions himself and of course these are the final uh, three questions you will ask us this year aaron so these are your year in review questions yes and uh, since these are the final three questions i've made them extra bad for tonight question one what is one lesson you learned this year that looking back you would have never expected you'd have to learn that is a really good question to lead off with, and I'll start with this. That I would have to pay attention to the people even more. Because even though I don't believe in populism as an ideology, I've always been one of, I've always, I mean, I started doing this. Uh, grassroots, anti-establishment, uh, two-party, anti-two-party duopoly, sort of conservatism with a populist zeal, even though I don't believe in populism as an ideology, but in terms of approach. Um, I'm, I'm not a guy that instantly trusts big anything, whether it's big business or big government, for example. And so this is, I mean, in, in, in many respects, even though I view Donald Trump as a flawed champion at best for these notions, this year in many cases, or in many respects, affirmed what I originally broke in to do in conservative talk radio 10 years ago. And if, if the lesson I learned is even, even though we may vehemently disagree on who the vehicle for the sentiment is to listen to the people's sentiments all the more. And I think I listened to data more than I listened to the people's sentiment. Would not have changed my opinion on the, on the moral merits of Trump as a candidate. But it certainly would have broadened my perspective on what was truly happening out there. Beyond just, you know, his um, insipid cult. There was a lot more happening out there than just that. And so I never would have guessed that at some point in my career, I would have to avoid the temptation to not actually be um, a vehicle for that sort of anti-establishment fervor and it turned out this year that actually did happen to me so that is one lesson i didn't think when this year started todd i would have to learn but i did i'm used to this 50 50 catholic split thing but i i didn't think if given a choice and an obvious choice the the first real one in quite some time for evangelicals to choose between the likes of Ted Cruz and Donald Trump that they would do what they did. I can, I can see if you were just given 
some sort of meager poser that that checked the evangelical box and whatever faults we believe Ted Cruz to have uh, he's as substantial uh, evangelical politician as this country has seen in some time and evangelicals passed on him to a large degree maybe we have to learn what the, we had to we had to learn what the term evangelical actually Correct. means that maybe maybe that's what we had to learn Kim I um, completely underestimated the power of reality TV I loathe reality TV. I don't watch it. I hate it. I think it's the lowest common denominator. And look at what has happened. I mean, you have someone who was, you know, the power of his personality, someone who actually took the media and, and trolled it magnificently. And um, so I completely underestimated that. I thought maybe people would be a little bit more principled. Yeah, go figure. The lesson I had to learn is, um, and I know we, we joke about this and we have joked about it a lot all year, is that as bad as you think things can get just in general with, with anything, it can always, always, always dial up to 11,000 and get a whole hell of a lot worse. That is the lesson that I had to learn this year. And I'm not joking. I mean, I we, want to we apologize have to this boy's parents. <laughs> it's only been a year I have broken him. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not joking either. I know we've joked about it a lot. It can. It's just amazing. Uh, in a very bad way, uh, human nature. Question two, tossing out politics and the state of our culture, rate 2016. That's not a question. That's a statement. Rate 2016. So aside from what determines the future and direction of Western civilization, how the rest of the year go? Is that Mm -hmm. your question? Exactly. You know, I mean, this was a great year for me on a personal level. I mean, it's... uh, uh, the show has really grown. Uh, there's other opportunities out there that are being offered, uh, the, one of which we've discussed already with uh, the movie deal we were able to, to ink for a nefarious plot. Um, getting a chance to watch um, the way our children have grown up uh, this past year, to watch Noah play on a losing flag football team. The first time in his life he's faced real adversity. When you, The first time as a, as a dude you come to grips with the fact Despite what you may think in your mind, there's always a bigger fish and there's always somebody better at something than you. And to have to accept that and then not whine about it but persevere, I really enjoyed that. To see um, Zoe, just how much she likes to nurture things, whether they be animals or little kids. Um, and just to, just to see, uh, despite um, you know her, she, has a, she has a fashionista personality, which is adorable, but there's also a real soft spot there that, I, that, that you can see begin to emerge. And then to watch Anna work so hard um, to better her craft this year and to watch her perform uh, in, in the Willy Wonka uh, Playhouse production. Um, and, you know, just uh, I have a fantastic marriage. I, I, this, aside from the fact we might be on the imminent collapse of culture, on a personal level, this year was great for me. You know, the Visigoths coming over the wall, notwithstanding, Todd. Yeah, I've got to follow suit and, <laughs> and brag on my family a little bit. My, my wife works incredibly hard. Uh, our schedules are crazy. We're oftentimes, we're two shifts passing in the night, which just makes the time we do have together uh, all the more uh, special. My four daughters, starting with Ainsley, uh, uh, made the uh, Olympic development soccer team and is one of the top uh, uh, cross-country, mid, uh, middle school cross-country runners in the nation, which just blew me away. 
And then uh, all the three of them afterwards. Are we, Aaron Sorkin, the writer of The West Wing, once said for all his you know writing and politics and all that stuff, life makes the most sense when I'm out in the front yard kicking a soccer ball with my daughter. That's my life there, and life is good. Me? Mm-hmm. You're up. I'm up. Clock is ticking. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, here I was going to go down the whole sweet meteor of death and how much everybody <laughs> really embraced that idea this year. Um, but, you know, on the personal level, it's been great. Um, you know, the kids are doing great in college. Um, my husband is awesome. So, you know, and we, we had the honor of watching his mother pass. That's an actual tear. Okay. Anyway, so it's been a great year. I I echo all the sentiments as well. It's at a personal level. It's it's been uh, a really good year. And I ask this question because um, we we cover the state of politics and culture. But I ask this question um, for our audience as well to to just underscore the point. But that that that's that's not everything in life. Question three: um, Does the thought of living the rest of your life on a yacht or private island sound better or worse at this point? And if so. Where in the world would you buy your island? And if it's a yacht, where's the first place you'd take it? I'm not interested in either one. No pizza delivery. Uh, no. Uh, You've heard N- about his basement, haven't you? No, no NFL Sunday ticket. I, so I that's, a, that's a no. Then. Negative integer interest. Yeah, negative. That, that's, that's literally purgatory to me. And I don't believe in purgatory. So, yeah, that, that's literally what that is, yes. Yeah, uh, um, uh, that sounds like escapism to me. And I know that's the point of the question, but I... I actually don't believe in that philosophically, so I'm I'm with Steve on some level. You guys took this so seriously. <laughs> it took, uh, it sounds worse actually to me at this point. Although an island would be nice. But. I don't want to quit these people. They're too much fun. <laughs> More in a moment. You're listening to Steve Dace. Don't mind us. There's only the future of the country at stake. You're listening to Steve Dace. Have a holy, jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. Continuing on with our special year-end edition, part one tonight, part two tomorrow. Again, we'll have some very special guests to close out the show tonight. You won't want to miss. But until then, a not-so-special guest. Mike Woody, one final time, is here with us to take us to the movies in 2016. Michael, how are you? Oh, I'm just delightful. So, How many the, weeks off do I get? Uh, you get a couple weeks off. We'll see you in January, brother. Beautiful. So yeah. are are you doing this? I, I don't know what you're going to talk about. Are we going to have like a year-end review from you on movies or what? No. We'll do that in a couple of weeks. We still have movies to see. This is the year-end show. Steve, we live in Iowa, so certain things don't happen exactly like they should. You mean like when you come in here for the year-end show and we're not going to do a year-end show? You mean like that? (laughs) All right, so what are we going to review? You know what? I called all the film studios and I said, you know what? If you could just send all of those films to Des Moines and they haven't done it yet. All right, so what are we going to talk about then? Uh, I thought we would talk about Manchester by the Sea, which opened last week, and I thought we'd talk about Miss Sloan and about 8,000 things that came out on demand. Miss Miss Sloan, blatant propaganda that bombed at the box office, so we can skip that one. Go ahead and talk about Manchester (laughs) by the Sea. 
I've got one goal for my for my movie Nefarious Plot when it comes out in 2018. It's got to do better than Miss Sloan. If it does better than Miss Sloan at the box office, I will be satisfied. That's you know, my that's my that is my plumb line. Miss Sloan had everything it needed to be successful, and it just. Because it, was, it wasn't interested in storytelling. It's interested in telling a narrative, in, well, in fashioning a narrative. It wanted to be an Aaron Sorkin film. It wanted to be really smart and well-written, and it just, it was not good. What about Manchester by the Sea? Manchester by the Sea is in the talk of a few movies that will be uh, probably considered best picture likely films. Uh, Casey Affleck, wow. Casey Affleck, uh plays a young man who's had a tragedy in his life that you find out later in the film and it is a tragedy um he is he's living in boston and he's taken a, a meaningless job as a janitor maintenance guy at an apartment complex his brother passes away and in the will oh by the way your brother didn't tell you that you're the guardian of the child his uh high school kid so Casey Affleck's dealing with a high school kid who's not real happy about that. Uh, Casey Affleck's not really happy about that and essentially offers anybody uh, that he, they can to, would you like to be the legal guardian of this child? I, this is not something I'm capable of doing. Uh, it is a very sad film. It is extremely well acted, and it's just a, it's a heartbreaking story that honestly ends the way it should end. Uh, they don't, you know, this it would be, typical to try to wrap this all in a nice little bow at the end and that's not how life works and you can probably see casey affleck's name on the statue he's that good all right so we got there's some year-end semblance to this uh, uh, this version of mike what do you think movies how many mushroom clouds for <laughs> manchester by the sea uh i'm gonna give it five wow is that the first five mushroom cloud film of 2016 so no, far? No, I don't think so. Has there been another one? I don't remember another one. I don't remember one. I don't remember one. You go up as high as four and a half. Yeah, I, I don't think we've seen a five. Well, God, maybe I should back away from the cliff. Maybe we should go to four and a half. He's feeling rather festive this time of year. All right, a lot of people are going to have some time off over the next couple of weeks, so a chance to get caught up on what's out so they, the on demand that they can watch at home. All what right. Do you, what do you recommend? Well, we got this movie called Suicide Squad. The extended cut is out. I'm very anxious to watch. Which I liked. And I, I liked it liked a lot. It too. I liked it a lot. The critics, the critics were, were totally wrong. The critics were not kind to this film. And this I, film made over three over three hundred million dollars domestic. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm anxious to see that again. Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Didn't Children. Like that one. Tim Burton film. Kind of weird. Not not Tim Burton weird, as in. Interesting, quirky, yeah, no, nutty, just, just weird. It's just, it's just. You were like, "What was the point?" Weird, yeah. yeah. Uh, Bridget Jones' baby, um, that was not a good. That was not a yeah, good. Yeah, I pee standing it's, up, so I doubt I'll be catching that one. It's you know what the women who have had children were peeling with laughter. Let's just put it that way. The guys were like checking their checking their watches. Indeed, yeah. Um, so that Ben Hur came out. That's well done. Ben Hur is very well done. Nobody saw it. I think they marketed it poorly. I think they yeah. should have played up the faith based element more. I think they tried to find some niche in between slot, yeah. and both audiences kind of thought it wasn't for them. They should have picked an audience and marketed it to them. Yeah, they they really uh, mishandled this movie. Ben Hur is really well done. Trust me, when you watch it, you will enjoy it. It's really well done. I mean, it's not the original, but the original is one of the hundred greatest films in the history of the of the yeah. industry. Yeah, but this got... is this is well done. This is worth your time. Yeah, I think I I, I agree. 
Uh, Florence Foster Jenkins. That was the Meryl Streep film that came out earlier in the year. Is this where she's the bad singer? She's the bad. <laughs> she no. Hugh Grant he, plays a bumbling, uh, muttering Englishman. Steve, she's not a bad singer. She's a horrible She's an singer. atrocious singer, okay. But it's based on a true story, and it's not exactly what it looks like. I mean, there's some... There's a couple of twists in the movie that you you don't see coming, but it's it's really good. Of course, she'll get an Oscar nomination because she's Meryl Streep. I think the ballot is pre-printed with her name on it every year. Indeed. Uh, and then the last one, and I'm sure you guys have already seen this or you're waiting for the director's cut, the the Michelle and Barack Obama's first date. So Thank I'll side you. with you. Yes. <laughs> Actually, it's a, it's, a, it's a charming film. Charming story of two young Marxists who just spontaneously fall in love while <laughs> attempting to overthrow the proletariat. Yes. Ah, uh, yeah. Exactly. I saw that movie once. Warren Beatty was in it. It was called oh, it was called Reds. One of my yeah, favorite saw that movie movies once. of all time. Yeah. It was called Reds. That's what it was called back I when it was when it. I was a kid that's what they called this film. All right, so when people are going to the movies for the next <laughs> couple of weeks, what's going to be out going around the country? It's the second biggest time of year is the holiday release schedule, right? Yep. Other than the summertime. Yeah. So of course and these Rogue are the important one, films. Yeah, Rogue One is coming out, which is, Rogue, has great reviews so far. Rogue, Rogue One. The Star Wars movie. Yeah, you know what I'm That's talking about. A little independent film? Well, yeah, exactly. A few people have seen uh, it. Actually, the reviews I've read have not been that good. So Really? Yeah. Because the fanboy sites, which are usually the toughest critics of these kinds of movies, yeah. love it. They're saying it's like Empire Strikes Back good. Really? Yeah. Oh, boy, I don't know. Um, the Wall Street Journal was like, eh. And USA Today... This morning or yesterday? Morning. I read a liberal blog okay. said yet wrote yesterday when they got saw a screening that they were disappointed because this is the film that confirms Star Wars is simply about war. Not exactly sure what the first clue would have been. Yeah, that Star Wars is about war, but finally, <laughs> Death uh, Star. What do, yes, what do you yes, think that was? Yes, Star Killer Base. Yes, indeed. Yeah. What else? Uh, I would say if you're, you know, the Will Smith movie got it trashed in the rolling stone but i think it looks really good yeah so did so by the way did journalistic standards credibility get trashed in there the rolling go. stone as well Can did I get you ever witness? see the will smith movie that pursuit of happiness i don't remember if i saw yep. that or not. did yes. you see yeah. it yeah. I, I, good. I think that it was, was a great good. movie and i had high hopes for this he seems to be a point in his life where he's trying to make a statement in these films obviously well, his father, squad was, his father was dying when he yeah, was doing and, this. and then passed away. Exactly. So, yeah, I thought... Collateral beauty, isn't it? What it's called? Yes. And it, it looks good. I don't know much about this Assassin's Creed because I'm not a video game guy, but I'm still waiting for the first good video game film. This one has Michael Fassbender in it, so that's that's a good start. But I don't know. Uh, very interesting mm. with uh, Jennifer uh, Lawrence. That does look interesting. So I think there's. I'm a Chris good Pratt guy, out. so it does look good. Michael, Merry Christmas, Happy right. New Year, Merry see Christmas you in January. All right, we'll come back more in a moment. You're listening to Steve Dace. The time to fight is now. Always the Steve Day Show. Have yourself a merry Back here on the year-end edition of the Steve Day Show here on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. This is part one. And now we play a little game we do each week here on the show called Buy, Sell, or Hold. Our producer Aaron will throw forth a 
series of provocative statements. We will all decide whether we're, yeah, we're buying that. I think that's possible. That could happen. We're selling it. We think there's no way a snowball's chance in an eternally warm place that's going down. Or we say hold because we're not sure and we need more information. However, we did introduce a new rule. You can only place a hold on one statement. That's it. You get one hold. After that, you got to take a stand. These should all be statements uh, that are related to sort of a, the year-end edition that we are doing here on tonight's show. So, Aaron, you may begin. Thank you, Steve. Uh, this one's going to take some splaining. Uh, Donald Trump. Mansplaining or regular splaining? Right, regular splaining. Right. Donald Trump. Hey, explain it slow. We're all splody heads. Yeah, Donald Trump getting reelected president is less likely than the Big 12 extending its grant of rights. Now, the grant of rights is this contract, um, if I'm just putting it in a nutshell, that uh, different conferences in uh, college sports have with TV networks for money. It's not very likely the Big 12 is going to extend that. Is it uh, more likely, though, than Donald Trump getting reelected? This is a no-brainer, guys. I mean, th- this, this is one-third of your normal synapses are firing, and you got this, okay? There is negative integer chance that you're going to see an, an extension of the Big 12's grant of rights. Negative integer chance. Presidents historically, even bad ones, even old ones, even corrupt ones, even the current Marxist one, get reelected in America 70% of the time. So if we just reelected a Marxist. I don't know why we wouldn't reelect a con man, especially because he's likely to give you a lot more of what you wanted than the Marxist will, because... He's got to give you something you want for you to keep up with the con, right? So uh, this is a sell. There, the, to me, I think there's very little chance the Big 12 uh, will, be, um, will, will extend itself. And there's a much greater chance that Donald Trump will be reelected. Todd? I'm going to sell as well because as little as this whole year has made sense concerning Donald Trump, if there's one thing that makes even less sense, it's NCAA sports, football in particular, in general. So I'm with Steve. Well, I'm glad that you explained what the grant of rights was because I, I did not know what that was. And the idea that they would go against their economic interests, so sell. Steve Dace will announce his run for Iowa governor at some point in the next year. <laughs> That's a sell. As much as I would love to do that, um, bye, 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 bye. <laughs> you should start with us. I, as much as I would love to do that, um, and I, I, I dream about it at night. That, that is one position I'd like to have because I think that you get the best of both worlds. You get real power, but power to really mess with the federal government at the at the same time. Um, I've got too many irons in the fire, too many business commitments I have to honor. That that just can't happen right now. But if the question would have been. Steve Dace will do it at some point in the next 10 years. I would buy that. But the question was for this cycle. See, that's what, what it originally was, and then I remembered that it's supposed to be 2017 specific. So I'm selling, but only because you're a movie mogul now. You think if we didn't have the movie mogul, I'd, I'd leave you guys in the lurch and go ahead and run for governor? Is that what you think? Oh, I'd be asking for a job. So. Oh, yeah, on the campaign? Oh, yes. That's yeah, assuming we could raise any money. Kim? Well, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy. And here's why. Because I have... Um, I have this idea that our new governor, which will be Kim Reynolds, is actually not going to be a conservative, and she's going to... What would make you say that? <laughs> I know. She's going to miss all these opportunities, and you are going to feel obligated to step in. 
You're going to bully me into the corner? You're going to pressure me to do this? Hey, you know, if it works. Ted Cruz. This is the one spot my wife has given me permission to run for. Well, really? then. She's not, she's not interested in Washington, D.C. or anything like that. But this one, she's in. She, and, and, and she doesn't really care about the amount of hate we'll get. I mean, she says, listen, we got enough people that hate us now. We hate us more. I mean, we hate you three times as much as we – we turn the furnace up hotter. I mean, but the, but the other positions are things that would require – living within the den of iniquity and like i remember when cruz dropped out and i mean i was crushed of course when i got home that night the kids were mildly disappointed and then they were like because you know how many times i got asked last year if ted cruz wins we're gonna have to move to washington dc i got asked that at home constantly they did not want to make that move so uh, but this is the one position I do have clearance from the tower to run for. Let's hold off on the next one because this is going to take some discussion till after the break. And I'd, I'd be interested to see what Kim's bullying tactics look like, by the way. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll come back. More buy, sell, or hold here in a moment. Listening to Steve Dace. How about we try that whole life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness thing again? Hmm. This is Steve Dace. Back here on part one of our year-end edition of the Steve Day Show for 2016. Here on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. More end of the year by seller hold. Aaron, you may continue. Ted Cruz will be confirmed as the next Supreme Court justice in 2017. I'm going to let you guys go first on this one. Go ahead. Sell. Sell. Without a doubt, sell. There's no way that um, they will reward him with that position. He's, he's in Romney land. Yes, he is. I think there is little doubt he would get confirmed if nominated. Little doubt. They'd love to get rid of him. But I'm going to sell because I don't think Trump will nominate him. I, I The events of the past few days have nudged me from cautiously optimistic to almost where I was on November the 7th. And... That has me far more pessimistic about what that Supreme Court nomination is going to actually look like. That we would get somebody, whether the name is Ted Cruz or not, but that we would get somebody with that sort of um, um, well-known, proven principles. That I'm, I'm not as optimistic about that as I was a couple of weeks ago. Fox News will assume MSNBC cable news bottom dweller status starting with the tanking of their ratings in 2017. So they won't assume that status in 2017, but their ratings will start to tank next year. There is reason for why you would think this. Let me tell you the why I'm going to sell instantly on this. I think the rest of the media is, by and large, going to be so incredulous, so mouth-breathing, so over-the-top that... You're going to look for people. People are going to look to Fox to be a sanctuary around that level of mouth-breathing hysteria. 
I think if the media did an on, the rest of the media did an honest assessment of what happened on November the eighth and made a few changes accordingly, the likes of which we've discussed, and even if they, I mean, if CNN just put one show in its prime time lineup with a real conservative host, just one, and I, Megyn Kelly is a great personality, she she is um, she's a professional, but she's not a conservative, okay. She's tough. She's fair, more of a Tim Russert type, but she's not a conservative. If, if a CNN put one real conservative in its, t- in its prime time block, just one, that's how you break the Fox monotony is you actually take someone who's a real conservative and charismatic and you put them on the air so that people then can see the milk toast that is most of Fox's pretend conservatism and say, well, this is actually what I'm looking for. But since it doesn't appear, Todd, that that's what they're going to do. Since it appears they're going to quadruple, quintuple, sextuple down on the failure theater that we got throughout the course of this year, they're going just as they just that they have been the best thing that ever happened to Donald Trump's political ambitions. They're going to be the best thing that ever happened to Fox News's ratings. Totally agree. Uh, I am going to sell. There's no plumb line of real journalism to hold anybody honest. The, all the frustrations that we have about Fox. Uh, I mean, I don't think Fox was ever the thing we thought it or hoped it was at the beginning. We were just starving in the desert for so long we were going to take it. But that that sense of not having anywhere else to go, plus the hysteria that always comes from the the leftist media, it, it allows Fox to continue to just be a mediocre product, and that's good enough so, no, the ratings aren't going to tank. Maybe two years from now, after a year of Trump presidency not being successful, but not now. This is must-see programming now. Right. I, I agree completely. Um, you know, the self-indulgent fake news just props up the credibility of Fox News. And it's sad. And then you also have Trump is going to be helping them out. Sean Hannity constantly. Megyn Kelly. I mean, so, no, their ratings are going to be fine. No, I think Megyn Kelly will be gone. I think she'll leave. Star Wars Episode Eight will have the best opening weekend in 2017, but will not be the highest grossing film in that year. Um, I'm going to sell. I think if it does both, if it does the first thing, it will definitely do the latter thing. I mean, if it's and and I agree that I think it will have uh, it, now next year, and we'll talk more about this when we do our um, end of the year predictions uh, or, or our forecast for next year on tomorrow's show for part two of our uh, end-of-the-year edition. But the, if you guys looked at the stable of movie franchises being released next year... I was just going to ask you what yeah. potential... That's I mean, it, this, is, this is nuts. When you look at what's coming out next year, I mean... Um, Thor, Wonder Woman, Thor, Wonder Justice Woman, League, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Justice League, Guardians, Guardians League. These are, these are three $400 million film franchises. Um, you know, you, Despicable Me is a billion... If you look at Universal Studios, other than Jurassic Park, the most successful th- movies Universal Studios has produced in the 21st century are the Despicable Me films. Those are billion-dollar industries. There's Despicable Me 3, another Cars film. That'll be the big Pixar tentpole. I mean, next year, the list of franchises that are coming out with new additions, another Lego movie uh, next year as well. I mean, th- that is Lego. And now you're going to merge Batman with Lego. That movie, especially in February when that movie comes out and parents are going to be looking for an excuse to get their kids out of the house and plop them in a theater for a couple of hours while they're shut up, right? That movie's going to make huge bank, that Lego Batman movie will. So I think, I think it would have been possible that this would be the first time a Star Wars movie did not finish as the top-grossing film of the year, except they've got a trump card, pardon the expression. And that is the first real return of Luke Skywalker on, on the silver screen 
in 34 years. You're going to see Luke Skywalker wield a lightsaber, something we haven't seen in 34 years. And just like just like including Spider-Man kind of helped uh, put Captain America's Civil War into another area code with his addition, when you combine that, the, the, the normal buzz of a Star Wars film with the return of Luke, the real return of that, and not some, you know... Um, deep, you know, inner contemplative, you know, look that we saw at the end of episode seven. But the real Luke Skywalker, I think that's going to bring out the nostalgia plus the Star Wars brand. Yeah, I have to sell to that as great as all those other movie franchises are, none of them share the, the notion of that you and I want to go and share the experience with our children to right. pass that on. I mean, that's the, a totally the, the unique guy we thing. all wanted to be growing up, and now we're going to take our own kids yes. so they can see what, why, why, why this was one of our heroes as a youngster. You bet. That's that's a on top of it's the most powerful brand in in Hollywood. You add that factor, and I don't know how you're going to topple it. Although the, the lineup next year is challenging. See, and that's why I'm going to hold because of the lineup next year. I, I don't think that's I'm a bad call either. Yeah. Uh, one more quick question, sports-related. The Alabama Crimson Tide will win the 2017 College Football National Championship and will make it back to the championship game in 2018. Sell. I don't think they'll win it this year. I think Clemson will. Okay. And next year, I think you're going to look at teams like Ohio State, Oklahoma, bring back USC, bring back so many uh, good players. Uh, I think it'll be too loaded. Three years in a row, I can't make that bet. No. I'm going to have to defer to you guys. You're listening to Steve Dace. Letting the lion out of its cage. The Steve Day Show. All right, back here to wrap up part one of our year-end show here on the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. So we've been teasing all night. We have some very special guests to wrap up the program here this evening. None other than the Day's children are here uh, in order of ages, uh, Anastasia, Zoe, and Noah. So we normally end a show with with everybody going around the table here in the studio and asking and answering the question, what have we learned tonight? Well, tomorrow night for part two, the crew is going to talk about what we've learned this year. But I thought to end tonight's part one, we would let the Dace children share with America, what have you learned this year? So Noah, you can begin. What did you learn this year, little man? I learned that you don't always get what you want. That everybody has different talents and you can't all do the same thing and to be brave. That's pretty good. You have some really good parents if you, t- if you were taught those lessons this year. You should <laughs> congratulate them when you get home tonight and say thank you for raising me right. Okay. <laughs> there was a certain level of skepticism in that, okay. Anna, honey, what did you learn this year? I learned that the right thing to do isn't always the easiest, that the plan I have planned out isn't always God's plan, and that boys are overrated. Again, especially on that third point, until you're at least 21. <laughs> Todd, I think you'll second that with me. You'll second me on that one. Boys, way, way overrated. Agreed? No need to even lock and load, Steve. Exactly. <laughs> She's got this. In fact, yes. So I won't need my second. I didn't need my second amendment this year. Yes. Um, Zoe, what did you learn, honey? What did you learn this year, sweetheart? Um... I learned not to talk to clowns, and I don't know. I learned to um, that you shouldn't like someone based on their looks. I don't know. And I learned that even though people, um, no, no, I I learned that um, you have to stand up for what you believe in. 
Those are pretty good lessons. So I smell a rat. What did you guys really learn this year? Or is this what Anna got us together last night before we went to bed, had us write these things down so that this would be – so we would sound like we are model children when we got on the radio tomorrow. Anna, did that happen, Anna? No, not really. I feel like – Did it sort of happen? It sort of happened. Okay. Yes. Yes, I had them. I paid them to talk nice about you. I thought. What did, what did nice. you get? What did you get paid, Noah? Zero dollars. Zero dollars. <laughs> I know Noah forgot a big one though. The young man likes gravy now. That's right. That was one of your. That was a big <laughs> rite of passage this year, right? Yes. Gravy is now one of your very few accepted food groups. <laughs> You've passed the Jedi trials. Yeah, as I mean, far it's, as I'm it's, it's like that scene in a Christmas story. Every family has one child that doesn't eat. Noah is ours. That's, right? that's very true. There are three foods, three food groups, pizza, cereal, and sweets. Now gravy is the fourth. And Noah also learned this year how big is the big house. You learned that too, right, yes, buddy? Yes, it's very big. All right. Hey, Daddy loves all of you guys. Great job. And that's okay. They broke the studio, but we will fix it. <laughs> Part two is tomorrow. John 317. I didn't break my... You're listening to Steve Dace.